Great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. So grateful for you too. So glad you guys are here. Man, I'm so excited about this series. Thanks so much for joining us last week. We had a great turnout, and I'm glad you're back. Thank you for bringing your friends, your family with you. And let's go just to get started with our mission statement. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to do what? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die periods. We're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. I'm excited about this, this message because I think this is a reality we all face, and that is that we oftentimes are not thinking and living in reality. And so what I mean by that is you may be busy hugging a unicorn, which means that you may have a belief that is just not really accurate to what reality is. And so today, we're going to kind of choke out that unicorn today. We're going to try to give you some reality, but in a positive light, say, hey, God can do great things for you, but you've got to get the right mentality. So that's why we need to choke out the unicorn in your life and in mine. So plot your notes if you will, and we'll give you some things to write down uh, today. And so the first thing, how does this unicorn get created in our minds? How is it that we have this mythical image of a unicorn and think, oh, it'd be so great if I had my own personal unicorn and I could ride it on rainbows and, you know, fluffy clouds, and it'd be just so great. And, and that's great for Candy Crush and for fun video games and for, and for, you know, kids' movies. But the truth is, many times we have a belief system that is rainbows and unicorns. Like the belief system that says, I can really cl grow close with God, even if I don't go to church very often. Uh, or the belief system that says, I can really develop my mind, but I, I, I can do that probably outside of school. Most of us aren't that disciplined. Most of us probably need someone to push us, you know? Uh, like the belief system that says, you know, I can lose all this weight in a week. You know, probably not. Probably gonna be several months, maybe even several years, depending on where you're at, right? And so oftentimes we have a belief that actually gets in our way of what God has for us. I don't mean to be discouraging. In fact, I wanna encourage you instead because here's what happens. We have the wrong beliefs, and when you have the wrong beliefs, you don't even get started. It just kinda of shuts you down, and so we wanna give you some practical ways that you can instead move forward in your life. And so I'm excited about uh, talking about this today. So let's just get started with the first thing we need to do. Let's choke out that unicorn. Here's the best way to know how to do that. Number one, quit the comparison game. You gotta quit the comparison game. This is the, one of the biggest unicorns we have right now is that all of us are trying to present our lives like we are a unicorn. We're all trying to present our lives like we are so perfect, it's so great all the time, it's just so wonderful, you know? We wanna have that red carpet life. We think, oh, it'd be so cool to be like an actor, actress on the red carpet. Well, that's what they do uh, three, four times a year, and the rest of the time they're living in trailers somewhere in some town, filming, uh, learning the lines at night, going to bed, getting up, and regurgitating those lines, and to go back at night, relearn the next lines. That's what they actually do. That's what they do. So that's not nearly as glamorous as a red carpet. So in the same way, your life is not gonna be red carpet all the time either. And so you just got to know going in that one of the best ways to choke out the unicorn in your life into this belief that why is everyone so happy and their life seems so glamorous and so cool? First of all, it's not. So the best thing you can do is to back away from the phone, to back away from the phone and say, okay, I'm going to limit my time looking at social media because it just sucks you in. I have found that oftentimes it leaves me more isolated because the truth is, is that I feel like, wow, everyone must have a great life but me. Everyone must be doing cool stuff but me. Everyone must have money but me. Everyone must have great family lives but me, right? We always think like, oh, well, mine's just not as cool as yours, right? But theirs isn't that great either. We're all hugging a unicorn. We're all wanting to show and display this, this perfection that, it's just not real. So we've got to quit the comparison game. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, check this out. It says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. Don't you love that? 
Isn't that funny? They were commending themselves all the way. Isn't that really what social media is today? It's commending ourselves. We're just busy, humble bragging, right, about all the great things in our life. You know, oh, I'm just so humbly blessed, you know. And so then we, we post all this great stuff in our life. And so we're commending ourselves, basically. That's what they're talking about here in Scripture. It says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. It just jacks you up. That's what this tells me. It just messes with you to compare. If there's ever a way to be frustrated is to constantly compare yourself to other people. This is a great tool, by the way, on your phone. It's so cool. If you, if you take your phone out and you push the little side button and hold it, it turns it off. It's so cool. You should try it occasionally. Now, I'm not just trying to say that technology is all bad because there's some great strengths of technology, but just remember this. You own your phone. It does not own you. Isn't that cool? And so, in fact, I want to challenge you for the next week. Why don't you just set aside social media for a week? Why don't you just go on like a social media fast? Maybe you say, oh, I can't do it. There's just no way. Like right now, I think my daughter just passed out in the middle of service hearing that. And so she may need you to go like one or two days, you know, and just kind of go easy, you know, because we may have to get her to the hospital to see if she can make it through. But, you know, maybe you do one or two days, or maybe you say, I'm going to lay off for the whole week. Or maybe it's become such a problem for you, honestly, that you say, you know what, I need to go like 30 days. And you just, your last post can be, see you guys in 30 days. You know, I'm going to get in touch with God again. I'm going to get in touch with my family again. Another thing you can do, you don't have to follow everybody. There's some people you just don't follow. There's some people I just don't follow. I just don't. And, and, and it's not because I hate them or anything like that. I just know it's just better for my soul to not follow them. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You're just like, you know what? It's just better for my soul not to follow that person. You know, if high school was kind of a, a drag for you, you don't have to follow your friends from high school. You know, if, if there is someone that really brings you down, you don't have to follow them. You, you don't have to do that. And so you're in control. So I just want to encourage you to take control of that and go, quit the comparison game. It really will hurt you in the long run. Now, here's where I really want to dig in, because this is where we're going to start to choke out the unicorn, because this is where we, we really find a, a big problem in our society now. Things are presented so cool all the time with people that are successful that we have forgotten what we don't see in their lives. And what we don't see is discipline. Now, how many of you right now just wish you could just get discipline? Wouldn't it be so cool if we could just like, man, pastor, I could achieve all my dreams if I could just become discipline. Anyone else relate to what I'm talking about right now? You're like, oh, I just, that would be so great. I've got, I hate to break this to you, but here's the truth about discipline, okay? I've been doing some research on this. You actually just don't get discipline. It doesn't work like that. That's not actually how you do it. So you ever know someone that like, will tell you like, you know, I got addicted to drugs and then one day I just decided to quit. And then all the people that are still addicted to drugs are like, that is so frustrating. Like, that's awesome. But I have been killing myself going to, you know, 12-step and meeting after meeting and reading books and praying hard and staying in church and trying to avoid the wrong people and don't call my dealer anymore and changing phone numbers. And I just, I'm still falling into this. And then this guy just says in his testimony, he just decided one day to quit. How did he do that? You ever know someone like that? That just, they were 300 pounds overweight, something crazy, and all of a sudden now they're fit. They're like, I just decided, you know, and you want to slap them. You're like, how do you just decide that, right? Here's what they, they've done the research on that. That's a very small sliver of people. But here's what they found. The people that, that could do that already had a strong internal control that they just weren't accessing yet. 
And so the issue was we have to develop the internal control. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today if I can, because it's very possible for you to change too. It's just that they had the internal control already. And you know, you know I love Biggest Loser. You ever watched Biggest Loser before? I've always noticed that almost every time the Biggest Loser winners are almost always the biggest guy. It's always the dude, right? And he almost is, he's, just, he's huge. But almost all of them had a athletic background. So that what they do, muscle memory kicked in, mental memory kicked in. They're like, I remember what it was like to be disciplined. And so it was easier, easier for them to turn the corner than for those who are thinking, I have never worked out. I have never had discipline like this. And so they have to build that into them. Does that make sense? And so when you get frustrated, you're going, oh, how can they just change? It's because they already had that, that discipline to go back to, to where if you don't have the discipline to go back to, if you don't have that internal control to go back to, you have to build it. So how do you build that? Wouldn't it be cool to know how to do that? How can we actually build that control to where we can get the things you want? You're like, man, if I could just get up earlier, you know, I could get to the gym. If I could get up earlier, if I could get to the office earlier, you know, that would be a game changer in my career. It would, but you've got to have the internal control to do that, right? That's the key. So how do we do that? Let me talk about that a little bit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 says this, God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. How many of you guys can relate to that verse? If there's ever been a truer scripture than that, right? It says, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained, underline that word, there it is, trained in this way. You don't just go run a marathon. And for those who say, I know a guy who just decided to do it and did it, that was a former athlete that probably ran a lot before. And they just kicked in and just got blisters and just did it. But the average person who's never done that can't just go do that. Does that make sense? And so they have to train their way up to, but no matter how bad a shape you are, you can train your way up to doing that. And so that, that this is, there's, all, there's apps for this now. I mean, you know, couch to 5K, you know, couch to, you know, all this 26.1, whatever. There's, there's all kinds of things like that now. And so it's very doable. People do it every day. But let me just challenge you on this. Number two is to create internal structure that leads to discipline. So we say, oh, well, you know, if I could just be disciplined, then, you know, that would change everything. If I could be disciplined, then I would have internal structure. No, no, actually, you get internal structure, and it gives you discipline. So you got to get the order right. So what's internal structure look like? This is the person, like, the person who goes off to college and makes A's, and, you know, they left mom and dad. They're like, wow, mom and dad's not there anymore, and they're just making A's on their own. No one's there to push them. No one's there to challenge them, and they're just doing that. First of all, I did not do that when I went off to college. I almost failed out. And they had to get my, you know, crap together, frankly. Can you say that in church? I think it just did. So, but I had to get it together because I almost failed out. Because I did not have that internal discipline, that internal control. I didn't. So I had to quickly, out of desperation, go home between semesters, read a book on how to study. I kid you not. I wrote a book on how to study. Went back and applied it. My grades went up. And so, but I didn't have any of that. You know what the book was actually about? It was surprising. It was actually not that much about studying. It was about how to handle your time. That was the whole thing. Isn't that funny? The truth is, if you can get control of your time, whatever you want is waiting for you. It's really true. It's such a game changer. So a couple things on internal structure. How do you, how do you create? In other words, you, you, you see someone who's successful, and they have what you want, right? Someone, someone you know, like, man, they have the relationship I want. They have the career I want. They have the body I want. They have the discipline, the emotional clarity, whatever it is that, they, that you have, that, that, that they have you want. You go, wow, they just seem like they're just so strong, right? How do you build strength internally? How do you do that? This may surprise you, but guess what? You do it through scaffolding. How does a building stand? Before a building stands, they put scaffolding up. And they're scaffolding all around it, and they build this building, and eventually what comes down? 
The scaffolding never looked at the building. Oh, it's so strong. It wasn't always like that. They had to build that thing. It took a whole team of people to put that together. At one point, the cement wasn't dry. And it was, you know, moist and porous, and you had to get the temperature right in just the right setting, or else you, you pour cement the wrong time of day, you pour cement the wrong kind of weather, it's going to be a mess. It won't work. There's a, there's a step to it. There's an order to it, isn't there? And so you have to think about that, right? So you have to do some scaffolding. So here, here's what that means. You know the scripture in Deuteronomy 6, in fact, all throughout Deuteronomy, have you noticed it says over and over again, like, obey the commands of the Lord your God, but then it says, like, write it on your doorpost, write it on your gates. What is that? Why a doorpost and a gate? That's external, that's scaffolding. Because if you want your kids to get the word of God in them, you gotta put the word of God all around them. Does that make sense? And so, in other words, if you really want to become disciplined, you have to build external structure around you until eventually it becomes a habit. Now it's internal structure. Does that make sense? This is why you gotta calendar things, set alarms, put reminders on your phone, all that kind of stuff to do whatever you wanna do. Otherwise, guess what? You don't think about it, you, you'll forget. Oh, I made this big promise to God at the beginning of the week, and by the end of the week, the promise is still there. None of the work was, but you know, the promise is still there. Anybody can relate to that, right? And so because I didn't put the scaffolding around it to, to make sure I did it, this is where you, you call your best friend up or a good family member that you're close to and say, would you hold me accountable? Would you ask me tomorrow if I've done this yet, right? That's external scaffolding to help build that strong uh, building, right? And so that's what we're trying to do. So create internal structure. It's a big deal. We, when you get people around us that believe in us, that support us, this is a game changer. Uh, Tom Hanks uh, was in the movie The Green Mile. You know, it was such a great movie back in the uh, late 90s. There was a guy in the movie uh, named Michael Duncan. He's now passed away, but he's a really big Afro-American guy. Some of you guys remember him from the movie. Just a huge guy, incredible actor, just a great actor. Well, apparently he was not that good of an actor going into this. He was kind of, he was, an, uh, he was a, a, a rising star, but he not really had his breakout moment until this movie. Well, it was interesting that the director was talking about how he was blown away watching Tom Hanks at one point in the movie. Uh, they're both, they've got cameras on both sides of them, and so they're getting Tom's face, they're getting Michael's uh, face to get to different angles of this dialogue they're having. And it's like this moving part. Some of you guys remember when he's just crying, it's just like emotional, it's just like, oh, it's so powerful. And, and, and uh, he actually was nominated for an Academy Award for that for Best Supporting Role. And so he was nominated for that. It's interesting that the director said what shocked him, and it threw him at first when he was filming it, he kept looking at Tom when Tom wasn't supposed to be talking because Tom was continuing to act out Michael's part for him in front of him as he acted to help Michael have all the resources and know exactly the facial expressions to do as he was going. Isn't that amazing? He said it was incredible. So I, I, was, I was watching Tom Hanks give an Academy Award winning performance off camera to help him to help Michael get that Academy Award winning performance on camera. That year, 1999, by the way, Michael Duncan was, was uh, nominated for the Academy Award. Guess who wasn't? Tom Hanks. He was not nominated. That's the kind of people you need in your life. They believe in you enough that they are willing to let you be the star. They're willing to let you get the glory for it when they build that scaffolding around you. They help you succeed, they hold you accountable, and when you get the win, they stand up with everyone else. Good job. We all need some people like that in our lives. And so as we're talking right now about this, is there something that you really need to change in your life? Is there a particular area that you're like, I really need to work on this? Could it be that you may be one or two conversations away from some close friends saying, I need your help with this. I really need to change in this area. Could you help me in this? You may need to have a couple conversations with your spouse, 
with a good friend, uh, with a brother or sister in Christ, and just, and just say, can you help? Can you be some scaffolding around me as I'm building my life and making some changes here that are going to really take me further in what God has led me to do? There's a guy named John Grisham. You probably heard of him pretty famous author. Uh, he was actually a very successful lawyer before he was an author. Clearly, you can tell his books are all about law. And uh, he, he's a great writer, but, but he was so busy as a lawyer, he didn't have time to really write books, but he had this dream. He didn't know what to do. So finally, because he tried everything to find time and he couldn't find it, he finally just set an alarm, forced himself to get up at 5 a.m. every morning, and he would write one page minimum a day. And that's how he wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm sorry, sorry, To Kill Time to Kill. I'm sorry, To Kill a Mockingbird. That's hilarious. He wrote a Time to Kill. He wrote that one, and he wrote the next one, The Firm. And, of course, The Firm is one that, that became an instant success, and all his books, you know, have been made into movies now. It's incredibly successful. But guess what? How did he do it? 5 a.m., one page a day. Simple, isn't it? It's simple, but you think, well, that's simple, but it's hard, right? I mean, 5 a.m., that's tough. I mean, that means that he had to get to bed early. He had to, ha- he had to change his whole schedule. He had to have his family on board with him on that, I'm sure. And so there was some internal work he had to do, but he had to first do some external things. I'm sure he was setting some alarms, and he didn't like to have to get up. But it was worth it, wasn't it? So the truth is, I mean, by the way, he sold 100 million books. He's doing pretty good, probably. The truth is, is that it's incredible what you can do if you're willing to put in the work, the internal structure that leads to discipline. And the next thing, really, I could have titled the series this third point. This really is the series right here in a nutshell. And here it is. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 through 13, goes on that we just read the first part of the scripture. Now it says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. So what's he saying? He's saying, I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. Mark out your path and get going. Notice, he doesn't, notice God doesn't say, oh, you're tired. Oh, you should take a break. You should, he doesn't say that. He says, oh, you're tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get a good grip again. Let's go. Wow. God doesn't back off of this. Isn't that interesting? That he, he, he's like, no, no, we're gonna do this. So what does this tell me? Number three, choose to do the hard things. Choose to do the hard things. I could have titled this whole series, Choose to Do the Hard Things, but none of you would have came. The truth is, is that we don't like to hear that. We wanna choose to do the easy things, choose to do the convenient things, choose to do the cheap things. But listen, I, there is never a sale on greatness. If you're going to do great things, you're gonna have to pay the full price. And the full price always has to be paid in full before you get the reward. That's how that works. So you have to pay it in full. But you know what? You know where we hug a unicorn? Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll, I'll put that off. So I want to have 4.0. But you know what? I know that it's time it's due in six weeks, but I'll start two, three days before. Right? You, you just you, you kiss your 4.0 goodbye. Every time you, you, you put that off. And so oftentimes we're putting off the things we know we're supposed to do. When you put off the hard things, you're putting off your future. In fact, please write this down somewhere in your notes. The sooner you begin doing the next hard thing, the sooner you get the life you want. The sooner you begin to do the next hard thing that God's put in front of you, the sooner you get the life that you want. Well, if I was disciplined, I'd do the hard thing. No, if you'll do the hard thing, then you get disciplined. You gotta get the order right. What gives you discipline? Doing hard things. What gives you the discipline to run 10 miles? Running 10 miles gives you the discipline to run 10 miles. It's, it's opposite of what we're thinking. We are hugging a unicorn, guys, and we think, like, I'm not going to put out the effort. I'm not going to put out the work, but I want the reward. 
It just doesn't work like that. And this is where I want to challenge you when it comes to life being great. Can your life be great? Yeah, I'm not trying to say lower your expectations. You're not going to achieve much. I'm not saying that at all. I think you should keep your expectations high. I just think you need to make sure that your work and your, and, and your focus matches your expectation. If you want to do great things, great. Then get up and do it daily so you get the ultimate results. But you're not going to get there by just thinking about it, talking about it, and dare I even say praying about it, but not doing anything about it. I love the verse when Moses is praying to God and God says, what are you praying to me for? Get the people moving. It's one of my favorite verses. He's like, hey, you can even use prayer as spiritual stalling to what you know God told you to do. So we need to just do what God told us to do. My prayer today is that you understand that God has put this in my heart to tell you it's time for you to engage in your own life. It's time for you to connect to what's going on because you're not getting another life. This is it. This is the one. This is not a preview. You're in it right now. And so listen, quit trying out for the part you already have. You are already in charge of your life. God puts you in charge. He wants you to do something with your life. Engage. Now's the time to do something. Don't put it off any longer. Choose to do the hard things. Everything that we really want in life always requires the hard things. We want a great marriage, which is gonna require the hard things. Vulnerability's hard. Saying you're sorry is not easy to do. Being truthful, when you really, when it's easier and more convenient just to not tell the truth, guess what? You gotta do the hard thing if you want a real marriage. If you want a closeness, if you wanna really draw to one another. If you want great kids that are well-adjusted and honoring God, you gotta put in the time, mom, dad. You gotta do it, you gotta do the hard thing. The easy thing is to put in front of Disney, the Disney Channel. The hard thing is to actually pour into their life and talk with them, even when they're blowing you off. You say, no, no, we're gonna stay in here, we're gonna hang in there, we're gonna talk about this because you're trying to shape their heart. Does that make sense? So we have to be willing to do the hard thing. I wanna be close to God, and so I just need to listen to another podcast. No, the truth is you need to get the Bible open in front of you with no one else around and say, God, I wanna know you. If you'll put in the hard work of your own time with God, then your reward will be great because you will know the Lord. But we don't put the work in and we wonder why we're not getting the results. Quit hugging a unicorn. That's mythical. The truth is, is if you want a life that honors God, you gotta start honoring God. You gotta start putting in the time. You gotta start giving him your best. I wanna challenge you to do this. This is not just a generational thing. People say, oh, I hope all those millennials are hearing. I hope the baby boomers are hearing this. I hope the baby buses are hearing this. I hope all generations are hearing this because this is not a problem exclusive to the younger generation. And the truth is, is we're making fun of them and teaching them, but they're just doing what we taught them. And so if we want better generations, then we need to lead them. I mean, I found the best way to get kids to not do dope is to have their parents not do it. That'd really help. You know, kids will be a lot more respectful to mom if dad's respectful to mom. Guys, the bottom line is we gotta be willing to do the hard things if we want to see the results. Oh, pastor, but I wanted a message on a miracle where God was just gonna give it to me. No, God's not gonna bless your laziness because he can give it to you, but you don't have the character to sustain it. So he, he wants you to do the hard things because the truth is, is that if you don't do the hard things, Dare I say, life doesn't give you what you want. Life gives you what you deserve. And so if you're not doing the hard things, you're not gonna get it. There's a guy who went and talked to his professor and he sat down with him and said, hey, 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 prof, I wanted to see where my grade was at. Professor smiled and says, where is your grade at? He says, well, I wanna check with you, where, where, where am I at? He goes, where do you think you are? 
goes, well, I mean, I'm not really sure. He's like, are you sure you're not sure? I mean, you're in here asking, so you sure maybe you don't know exactly where your grade is? Susan said, yes, sir. You're right. Basically, I'm riding the line. I'm not showing up, not listening, not doing the homework, and yet I'm trying to be the exception here. I was like, yeah. So you already know whether you're learning or not. And so your grade's gonna reflect your learning. Your grade's gonna reflect what you put in. So, you know, he said, I can show you your grade, but I think you already know. I think that's why you're here nervous. Is because you already know the grade. Isn't that true, guys? Don't we already kind of know the grade about where we are? I wanna challenge you with something. You know, a couple years ago, God was really working on me, and he's still working on me. I've got lots of areas, let me tell you. But a couple years ago, I thought, you know, Lord, it really, God, God really spoke to me about how there's just a couple areas of my life I was really failing in bad. And I was really a failure. And here's the funny thing about failures. We look successful. But we know if we're failing or not. And I realize that I know my potential in this area. I'm not reaching it. So even though everyone else may say, oh, Pastor Bill, man, he's doing this and doing that right. Well, that's what you know. Great, thank you. Maybe I'm kind of blowing it for myself here. But aren't there all areas that we know how we're really doing? Don't we all have an area where maybe God's convicting us saying, before you even ask me how you're doing, don't you already know? Don't you already know that you're not putting any effort into this, but yet you're expecting to get something for nothing? Could it be that God's trying to challenge us to do the hard things today? Last thing I wanna cover is this. Genesis 128 says, God blessed him and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Please underline the word subdue it. To subdue it, another translation says to reign or have dominion over the world or have dominion over your area of, of where God placed you. Maybe God gave you an expertise. You should dominate that. If you're an architect, you should dominate that. You should, know, you should be the best in your field. If you're in education, you should dominate. You should subdue it. And so God wants you to put over it. Now, now what this also means is that God gave us a world with all kinds of weeds, right? All kinds of crazy grass going everywhere and this and that. And so, so when God gave it to you, he said, here it is, clean it up. Subdue it. What does that mean? It means put order to the mess. God says, I'm gonna give you all the ingredients for a great life. You just need to order it. It's all there. But you know, when you see a nice lawn, you know someone did that. My lawn has never accidentally become nice. In fact, actually, when I leave things alone in any area of my life, it tends to get worse, not better. Are you like that? Like the natural way of things is to, get, is to break down, not to get better. And so God gives us purposes saying, no, that's where you come in, is that you are to make your life and your world better. The rent that we pay for the life we've been given is to make this world a better place. And so are we improving our lives, our family, our, our environments that we live in? Are, what are we doing with that? Look what it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does this mean? This means, number four, we need to respect the future. We need to respect the future. A common phrase in this next generation is YOLO. You only live once. Great danger in that. Because the phrase is being used as an excuse to do whatever in the world you want, irregardless of the fact that there's going to be a future. And so you end up giving your body to people that have no business having that, irrespectful of the fact that one day you're gonna have a future mate that's gonna say, why didn't you hold out? 
We end up spending all of our money today, irrespectful of the future that we're gonna have one day when we're gonna be broke. Many of us depending upon the government or family to pay for our needs just because we didn't take care of things. So what's happening is, is that YOLO is turned into, I don't have to be responsible. I can do whatever I want with my time, with my mind, with my body, with, my, with, with, with everything I have. And the truth is, is that where does that say that in scripture? I would say you only live once, be disciplined. You only live once, have a plan. Then you say, well, pastor, does that mean I'm just supposed to work nonstop? No, 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 no. Actually, we're gonna talk a little about that next week. Be sure to be here as we, we unpack that next week. Uh, this message is, is all about uh, when the struggle, the struggle is real and what do you do when you just are overwhelmed? So we're gonna talk about that because the answer is not for you to burn out, but to be honest with you guys, most people I know are not burning out because they're working so hard. They're burning out because they're playing around so much that when they finally get to work, they're late to the game. Does that make sense? So instead, we need to reverse the order. I think you should absolutely rest and reward yourself. But you're supposed to reward yourself after you work. The reward of the video game time for the kid is after the chores, right? There are chores, right? The, the reward for the TV show you wanna watch is after you put in a day's work, not you wake up and start watching TV. Does that make sense? So we have forgotten a powerful gift that God gave us in the word of God, and that gift is work. It's a gift from God. It's a great gift, by the way. And if you don't do work, by the way, your body, your life, and your mind will atrophy. It's really true. And so you need to know that the work that God gave you gives you life. It's a healthy thing, it's a wonderful thing. Now, one last thing I wanna say in respect to your future, because we should be thinking about the fact that the future is coming. So uh, I just want you to draw a little diagram on your, on your outline there. Would you do that? Just, just, we're gonna just have you draw, okay? So on the left side, draw a little box. On the left side of your page, draw a little box and write in the box where you are. Then on the right side of the page, draw another box, same size, that says where you wanna be. Now, what most of us are believing when we see someone who's where we want to be, like, oh, they're so successful, they're doing so great, how'd they get there? This is how we think they got there. Ready? Check it out. We think that just in one fell swoop, one big move, that they just unicorned all the way over there to the other side. Oh, look at that. That's so beautiful. No, that's not real. That was mythical. It doesn't exist, right? Oh, I'm going to find that one stock, and then I'm just going to go crazy, and I'm going to become rich. I don't need to invest my whole life. I can just buy Bitcoin, right? How'd that work out? Right? Oh, I know, I don't need to, you know, be disciplined in my eating and this and that and have to go to the gym and all that kind of stuff. I just want to take these little pills. And, and if I take these pills for a week, I'll lose 50 pounds. No, you will not. You will jack up your body. That will not help you, okay? But guess what? We think one move is going to get us there, right? We think we're just make one quick move and, and, and oh, I want a great marriage. So we go to the club and we meet someone and we think they're good looking. And so we just basically go get it on with them. And then we think, now God, turn this into a great marriage doesn't quite work like that. Make sense? We think one move is gonna get us all the way there. But the people that you know that are really successful in whatever area you're longing for, whatever it is, maybe spiritually, financially, physical, you know, conditioning, I don't, know, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure your goals, that's between you and the Lord. But here's what that really looks like. It's not one big move, it's today, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do one thing today and I'm gonna make sure I go in that direction. Then tomorrow, I'm gonna to be faithful again and do one more move, right? And the next day, I'm gonna do one more move. And so it's a static lines that over the course of time builds habits that get you from where you are 
to where you want to be. The people that already have what you want have something you may not have noticed. They have discipline and a lifestyle built around what it is that they have. That's how they got there. It wasn't an accident. It was by design. And by the way, let me just close with this. When you take that first step, it's going to be messy. You see, no going there, well, but I, I don't know what I'm doing. Right, none of us did when we first started. You should have heard my first sermon. Oh, it was so bad. It was terrible. A guy that walked me off the stage, I kid you not, the guy to come up and put his arm around me, he could, come on, Bill, you're done. You're done preaching now. I mean, it was that bad. It was so bad. But you know what? Had to get it out of the way. Got to do one messy first. And the next one is still messy. Next one's still messy. You start trying to improve, get a little better and better, better, right? Eventually, I'm starting to step into my calling. But when you step into your calling, you think it's all glorious and glamorous? No. It's messy. Still worth taking that messy step. To do the hard things, you got to do it bad at first. And eventually, you'll get good. Would you pray with me real quick? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you take a moment to pray across all of our campuses? just want to challenge you today. If God is speaking to you about doing the hard things, would you just write that down? Is there something specific that God's just putting on your heart that you know you need to do? You're just like, okay, Lord, I really didn't want to do this, but God, I know you're talking to me. And so, Lord, I'm going to take that next step. Even if it's messy, I'm going to take that next step. Maybe for you today, you've never trusted Christ. You've always wanted to be close to God. Didn't know how. God took the first step. He sent his son. Jesus to die on the cross for you and me. He waits for you to accept him. You can pray a simple prayer. You can receive Christ right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sins and you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? <laughs> Lord is so true.